podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello, welcome along. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. I'm your host, Chris Parsons, and I'm joined, as ever, by fellow long-suffering Rams, Richard Kutcher. You all right? Hello. And Tom Martin. Hello. Hi there, Chris. A quick word before we kick off for our friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer who are partnering Steve Bloomer's Washing for the season. Do check those guys out online. So it's that time again. In the season, we've sat down with another Rams hero for a trip down memory lane. And in this pod, we're chatting to a Derby County fan favourite who joined the club as a young midfielder eager to make his name in England, but left eight years later as a club history maker who was universally loved by everyone associated with the Rams. Craig Bryson joined Derby for less than 400,000 in 2011, but went on to make 276 appearances scoring 42 goals before his departure at the end of the 18-19 campaign. He was adored by Rams fans for his dedication, professionalism and endless running, and Bryso was named Club Player of the Year twice and will surely never have to buy a drink in Derby again thanks to that momentous hat-trick against Nottingham Forest in the 5-0 win of 2014. Uh, An undoubted loyal club servant coach, but one who sadly never tasted promotion with Derby despite several attempts how do you think Craig Bryson will be remembered at the club uh in one word fondly as a player who definitely left everything out on the pitch you could never say you could never question his commitment to Derby and the work that he put in on the pitch and just actually even before we spoke to him always came across as just a very genuine down-to-earth lads who love playing football and love playing football for Derby County. So what made this chat so interesting, Tom, is that we all know it's been a real roller coaster few years for Derby County since Steve McLaren's first managerial spell. Um, yeah, we've been in the same division for, for 12 seasons, but that doesn't tell any way near the whole story. And there aren't many people around the club who were there on the front line for almost that entire period when Derby have been promotion contenders um, and we sacked one of the other ones a few <laughs> weeks ago. So Craig Bryson is one of those people. And you did get a sense when we spoke to him that he really did feel the pain of not getting promoted as much as we did, didn't he? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think he, he was sort of, although he's obviously not a Derby boy, um, he is Derby through and through at the same time. That eight years, he had such an affinity with the club. Um, I remember sort of first seeing him and going to football sort of after university with some friends who are not Derby fans. And one of the comments they said to me when we first started going is, you don't have a fan's favourite. Bryson came and I think that period really sort of showed that we did have fans favourites with Bryson, Hughes, Martin etc but Bryson I think for me over the last eight years he's been the ultimate fans favourite in that team uh, and also he he just loved Derby so much he got involved so much with the fans and he's got so much passion and sort of commitment with the with the club um, and he definitely felt the pain of not getting promoted just as hard as we did. 
a quick one from you both before we launch into the chat. Um, Coach, what would you say was your favourite Bryson moment? A fair few to choose from. One very high, but is there <laughs> he, anything that comes close to the Forest hat trick? Yeah, he sprung, sprung that one on me, uh, Chris. No, the, the Forest hat trick is is the obvious one. I think the absolute bell trip Millwall he scored as well would be the other one that would kind of spring to mind. Um, but for me, it was just his, his all-round... And there's, there's nothing better than than, a, than a, a midfielder arriving late in the box and, and finding and, and, and timing that perfectly and finding the back of the net. And I love watching that from all footballers going back to, to Paul Scholes when we were even younger. I love that. Uh, I love that kind of play. And that, that's my abiding memory of Brighton was a real goal threat from midfield, which he, his, the statistics prove it. But the way that he played, he just always knew that he would be on the end of something if the right ball was put into box. And that's my kind of abiding general memory of Craig Bryson. I remember thinking when he smashed in that late winner at Watford, hmm. um, I think I could be wrong. I think that put us in the automatics or very close to them. I remember thinking the way we won that, I think this could be the year. I think this is when it could happen. It didn't. We all know it didn't. But he was one of those players who scored important goals. Gave us some great memories, Tom. What is it for you? I kind of agree with Cutch with the Millwall. Um game where we scored a hat-trick I think on that day and we won 5-1 I almost didn't go because I hate going to the den it always ends seems to end badly and I made a late call to do that and uh, I was well rewarded by Craig Bryson the goal I remember most fondly uh, is the Fulham volley just the technique mm. and the arrival again in the box but the the technique to take that almost over the shoulder and smash into the top corner um, to get ourselves a, a one-all draw fantastic goal and he's he's been a great player Paul Clement's last game there, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, I think, I think um, yeah. Anyway, so on we go. Before we chat to Bryso, don't forget to subscribe to Steve Bloomer's Washing to get the latest podcast sent straight to your phone or device. As soon as it's released, you can hit follow on SoundCloud or Spotify, or for Apple users, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's Bryson to strike it, and what a hit from Craig Bryson. Oh, what a goal! Sensational goal from Craig Bryson. Bryson tries a shot. Oh, yes! Oh, what a strike! Craig Bryson strikes it home in the first 20 seconds. So, yeah, thanks for joining us on this special Steve Bloomer's Washing. We're delighted to have a very special guest with us for another international break. You'll know him for being Scottish, for apparently loving his haggis with the occasional Jaeger. It's Craig Bryson. How are you doing, Craig? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Yourself? We're really, really good. It's a real pleasure to uh, to have you on the podcast. So it was a few months ago you left uh, you left Derby County uh, after eight years at the club. You're now at uh, Aberdeen. But it's been a bit of a uh, been a bit of a stop-start few months for you back north of the border again. You've had a, had a few uh, injury concerns up there. How's the recovery going at the time of recording, at least? Uh, it's getting there, mate. The injury all stemmed from, I uh, can't remember what game it was, my last game for Derby, basically. I was out for a few months with that, and when I came to Aberdeen, I, wa- I wasn't fully fit. But because we were in Europe at the time, uh, they basically just rushed my rehab. I'd, I basically never really done anything, and kind of get put on the pitch over in Georgia, and because it wasn't right, I broke down and I've had a few problems since that. But I was I was really keen to get my Aberdeen career going and, and playing in Europe for the first time. So I think me and the manager just agreed that we would take the risk a wee bit. And unfortunately for us, uh, it's kind of backfired a wee bit. But once I get back, I'll, I'll be all right. I mean, it's, it's difficult for someone like you, isn't it? Because you had a, if memory serves, you had a bit of a similar situation at Derby a few years ago when... Was it the opening day in uh, in 2015 when uh, in, in the Bolton game when you 
like I got I got an injury and you're out for a certain amount of time and then you came back and it ended up being a much longer injury spell than you thought it was going to be. I mean, is it is it in that situation when you're so desperate to get back and, and do the job that you're paid to do? Is it how hard is it to just sort of be patient and, and watch your watch your teammates go about the business? Yeah, I've kinda had that problem my whole career, mate, to be honest. Uh I just I just hate missing games and hate hate missing training sessions and stuff and when you're in the physio room uh, and all the lads are getting ready to go out out to train or out to play, you just get not not depressed, mate, but do you know what I mean? You just get annoyed and you just think if it's just a wee bit sore then you can just go on with it and, and everything will be alright. But you obviously have to listen to your body and, and the older you get, the more you realise that and yeah, I think I think I had a good relationship with managers at Derby as well and they knew that I would try and play for them and, and play through injuries and we just kind of have to accept the consequences of it sometimes and, and that's kind of position I'm in now. Before you left Derby in the summer, uh, you had some offers from uh, other teams in Scotland. Why did you choose Aberdeen? Uh, I just felt really welcome at Aberdeen. I've said it was on my case for a while. Uh, they, they really wanted <laughs> me to go up there and it, it wasn't just like a black and white decision but I think like when I did actually decide that Scotland was going to be the place I was coming to then when you look at the clubs that are wanting you and you look at Aberdeen, they were always finishing second and third and they were playing in semi-finals and finals and I wanted to be part of that. I didn't want to just come home to retire basically, to kind of run down my career and to the day I retired. I wanted to still be successful and I wanted to play in the big games and I thought just looking at Aberdeen from the past few years, I thought that was the best place to come up in Scotland to to try and be in with a chance of upsetting the old form and, and being in semi-finals and finals and, and playing in the big games. Because when you um, when you came to Derby originally, I, I looked at some of the things you said at the time, because when you were at Kilmarnock, uh, Hearts were really interested in, um, in in getting you before Nigel Clough got his hands on you and brought you down to England. But it seems like that's a really important thing for you, like being a uh, part of a competitive side in Scotland the, and so you, I guess you see Aberdeen as a team who might be able to challenge the uh, duopoly of, of Rangers and Celtic Yeah they, they had done in the past few years uh, especially when Rangers were just coming back into the SPL when, when they got relegated to the third division for whatever reason uh, and from the outside and, and down south when you'd always keep an eye on the SPL Aberdeen always seemed to be like a, a really good team really competitive and as I said, they always just be in the big games. I think I think that's what I want to be a part of. And even speaking to, to Max Lowe a bit when he came back to Derby about his time up in Aberdeen, about the squad and about the manager and stuff, then it kind of just felt right. So you mentioned, uh, Craig, about um, about obviously being in Europe uh, for the first time and playing the big games. Obviously, that includes a lot of, of travelling. You've just become a dad uh, a few months ago yourself. How As a footballer, how hard is it sometimes to be uh, spending time away from family? Uh, it's not ideal all the time, mate. But we we kind of knew the situation uh, when we were moving home and if I was going to Aberdeen, that I would have to spend a couple of nights away a week, and I kind of just just got to grips with that and, and got to terms with it quite quick. Uh, I'd say it's it's been a wee bit harder for my wife, to be honest. Uh, she's obviously got them twenty four hours a day. Do you know what I mean? Seven days a week, and. Basically, when I get back, I just kind of get handed them at the front door and, and get told, like, it's your turn and she can go and rest and stuff and do what she wants. So, yeah, it's, it's all right, mate. Kind of know the situation, but that is what it is, isn't it? And the, uh, the most important question I've got to ask you, Bryce, um, probably more than anything, have you got your son a Derby County baby grow yet? Not yet, not yet. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> I know, I know, it's, it's, it's not right, is it? Uh, <laughs> I think I need to get that sorted pretty soon, to be honest. So, 
obviously the move came in the summer and uh, Graham Shinney moved in the opposite direction. Did you ever chat to him about Aberdeen and did you ever tell him anything about Derby uh, and your time there? I actually met him uh, once down at Derby. Uh, he was down watching a game. I can't remember what one it was and just had five, ten minutes with him and his wife and just, just speaking to him about what Derby was like and, and how he enjoy it and yeah, it was a good place for him to come. It was it was especially a good place for him coming after Aberdeen, considering I'd kinda I'd done the same same route as him. So yeah, it was it was good. It was good to see him get a, a game there a week there and get many match and stuff. Cause I think I always like to see Scottish players going down south to to whatever team it is uh, and doing well. Because I think I think the SPL gets a bit of a hard time sometimes, and there is good players up here. Uh, I don't think it helps that the the national team ain't doing too great, but in the SPL we've got some really good Scottish players and I think, I think that's been proven at Derby over the years that the Scottish players there that have kind of done well so yeah it's, it's great to see them playing and, and hopefully and get a run the team now due to injuries and, and stay in it. So we're always keen to um, to find out how the players we speak to how they actually got into football in the first place like going way back you know before Kilmarnock before Clyde before even your non-league days as a teenager what age were you Bryce when you realised yourself that you might be able to to make a career out of football when you realised you know I could I could do something with with the ability that I've got I think when I realised I think I think I was maybe around about 16 or something but way before that my, my dad would always would always take me down to I don't know if it was toddler classes or something just like fun times just kicking the ball about see if you liked it and stuff like that so obviously I've got a lot of, lot of thanks for him and my mum for doing that but I think me personally it was around about 16 maybe when I went to Clyde and kind of went in full time uh, the first year full time I found it found it really tough it was it was difficult you kind of grew up and you're playing against men and all that stuff you're in there every day and it was it was hard to get used to training every day and stuff and but I think I think my second year full time uh, when I kind of broke into the first team was when I kind of thought that I had a chance so fast forward a, a few years then, uh, Craig, to 2011, uh, Nigel Clough signed you for Derby. We've heard that you sang the Proclaimers at your club initiation. Um, which were the players, that sounds like a bit of a daunting task, so which were some of the players that really helped you settle in back uh, in your first season at Derby? Yeah, I just think like Barks, um, Buckle, like Brayford and stuff, like kind of like the, not the older ones, but the ones that had been there for a couple of years and stuff, uh, you kind of latch on to a wee bit. I obviously spent a lot of time with Chris Maguire when I first went down as well because obviously we're both Scottish, both coming from the SPL. We're both kind of in a hotel for a bit at the same time. So we spent a lot of time together uh, to start with and then I think you just see who you kind of on with when you're first at the club and the players that we had at the club at that time are just good, honest professionals and stuff. So you kind of just latch on to them and let them tell you about the club and then you learn for the club and stuff and it was it was good it, Nigel Clough was, was excellent at putting together a, a good solid team with a good team spirit I think that's why he's kind of been successful most places he's been As you said about Clough it was a, a good sort of team spirit it was a very hard working team when we look back at that uh, Derby side you actually said previously that you feel quite indebted to Nigel Clough and that he taught you right from wrong uh, what bits of specific advice from him have stuck with you the most? Just just everything really. Uh, everything with him was kind of just black and white. There was no grey areas. If if he was happy with you, he'd tell you. If he was angry, you would know all about it. Just just how to conduct yourself really on and off the pitch and how like he wanted you to give 100% and everything you've done uh, and stuff like that. So it was just kind of small messages here and there that I just took that 
I kind of still take it to this day. And yeah, I obviously owe so much of my career for giving me a chance to come down to Derby. And yeah, I was, I was obviously gutted when he got sacked and they moved on. But I've always kept in, kept in touch with him and he's always kept in touch with me. And it's, it's been like quite a good relationship. And you had uh, a couple of seasons under Nigel Clough then when he first arrived before Steve McLaren took over in October 2013 and then uh, Derby went on a run of winning 15 games from their next 22 an incredible turnaround in form given we were uh, from memory in the uh, in the bottom half when McLaren took over I just wanted to ask how did Steve McLaren get so much more out of what was a Nigel Clough team I don't know to be honest he <laughs> kind of just came in and changed formation we ended up starting to play uh, 4-3-3 instead of like a, a 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1 or, or so so he kind of just came in and changed formation. He kind of coached us and how he wanted his teammates to play and how he wanted to pass out for the back. And he kind of just went through the whole team and, and everybody knew their job as well. And I don't know, for, for some reason, it just all clicked at one time. And I remember back to that time, we were just going into games, like turning up, knowing that we were going to win it. It was, it was weird. It was a weird situation. I've never really experienced that before. Turning up to games, no matter how you were going to play, you just felt like you were going to win. One of the things, um, Craig, that we often hear about Steve McLaren, he's, he's a great coach. He's a great coach on the on the on the training field, and maybe his, his man management side isn't isn't as strong. What's kind of your observations of that? Do you think he's unfairly pigeonholed as more of a number two than a number one? Like, what was your general impressions of Steve McLaren as a coach? Because he's had such contrasting fortunes wherever he's gone, both at Derby in different spells and and at different clubs. I probably find it hard to disagree with. He's a really good coach, but his man management's not great. Yeah. If that's a nice way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, it was really good. Really good in the, the training pitch. Uh, he used to work with a bat four a lot and then he would bring the midfielders over. Then we'd try and incorporate it all. Then we'd go into like 11 v 11 and we'd just try and work on the things that we, he was trying to teach us. And then I know the fans would obviously get frustrated a wee bit in times and games when we would try and play out for the back all the time and, and lose it or, or whatever. And it would kind of build a wee bit of pressure on ourselves. But... We obviously at the time knew what we were trying to do. We were working on it every day in the training pitch and we were trying to incorporate that into games. Like When it came off, it looked really good, but I think on the flip side of that, sometimes it just people just thought, like, you're putting yourself under pressure, just kick it along. But we were, we were so ingrained that this is where we wanted to play and, and no matter what, that's what we were going to try and do. And it was successful for us to an extent and I think it was a, it was a really enjoyable year and it was a, it was a good team to play in. So obviously, when it when it was going well for you, uh, Craig, Chris Martin was a, a huge part of that successful team, and particularly in thirteen, fourteen, and more than forty goals between you and him that season. Chris Martin's now back in the team. So how do you find kind of how important was Chris Martin to that whole structure and that four four three system? I think I think Chris Martin was really important, but I think John Eustace was probably more important than him. I think also me and Chris he had a, a really good partnership. Uh, we got on well. We kind of understood each other's games and, and it worked. But I think for all of that to work, uh, John Eustace had to stay in the middle of the pitch and not, basically not move and just pick, play professional fills all the time if we if it broke down. And he, he kind of allowed everybody else to go and play their game and kind of sacrifice himself for the team. And I think sometimes his, his role in that whole team went underrated. Uh, but yeah, and back to me, me and Chrissy, uh, we just lightened up really well. Uh, and I think Simon Dawkins and Craig Forsyth on that side kind of added to that. And I don't know, for, for whatever reason, us four players kind of all seemed to click at the same time. And we all kind of understood what everybody was trying to do and it worked. And is that something that's actually coached? Do you actually work on that physically, Bryce? Like did, was McLaren saying to you, 
look, Bryson, I want you, I want you to be running off Chris Martin. Chrissy, I want you to be trying to slip in uh, midfielders from the front. I want you to be arriving late in the box and bombing on. Or did it just come naturally? Or, or was it something that McLaren like really encouraged you to work on? We, we, we did work on it a wee bit, but I think the timing has to come a wee bit more natural. Um, it kind of worked because we, in that season we would attack down the left more often and Andre Wisdom would kind of keep his position more at right back. So I knew when Chrissy came short, and Simon Dawkins would run inside. That was my cue to run in behind. And I would take Chrissy's man away from him. I'd kind of try and occupy Simon's uh, man as well. And then Chrissy and him could link up. And then because I'd made that run in behind, I end up making, like, I end up being in the box from that run. So when the ball gets switched out the other side, I was in there for a cross or whatever. Uh, so I kind of knew where, where Chrissy was going to move, where, where Docks was going to move. And wherever Fozzie was, I could take my position off that. And they would also do do the same with everybody else. And I think on that side, we just had a really good relationship. And then I think when you add in Will or Jeff uh, to the other side of that, then I think we had the makings of a really good team. And just unfortunately for us, the way it ended at, at Wembley against QPR. I shouldn't have asked these questions. It's making, it's making me angry all over again. <laughs> I have to talk about this. It is definitely a bitter memory at the end but that Derby team I think was one of my favourite Derby teams uh, in my living memory just the, the cohesion on the pitch was fantastic obviously Chris Martin's back in the Derby team now after a bit of time out uh, on loan with injury uh, it must be quite pleasing to see him back in the goals for, for Derby uh, after such a long time out yeah I think it's excellent I think it's excellent it's also nice to see him come back and, and do what he does best basically and score goals and I think he can link play really well but Obviously, he had, a, he had a bit of trouble with an illness and stuff, and he was out on loan and whatever. Some managers didn't fancy him, others did, and it's kind of hard. You just you just want the manager to like back in. He seems like now that he's got himself back in good shape, he's kind of got over the illness and he's got back in the team, and the manager's backing him. And, and I think everybody knows if Chrissy gets chances, he'll score. So we'll get to uh, we'll get to the game that I'm sure every single Derby fan that you see ask you about in due course, Bryce, but. But it wasn't the first time you'd actually scored against Derby's local rivals after bagging the winner at the City Ground in 2011, I believe, if memory serves. Um, can you just try and put into words for us what it's like to score the winner in a local derby in front of the away end? I don't know, it's quite kind of hard. Uh, it's just so much emotion like going through you when, when you kind of score uh, and then turn out a winner. And you're kind of standing in the net and you're just looking at all the Derby fans and you've got Connor Salmon trying to push your head through like one of the wee squares of the net. So I think, oh, that added in. It was just like when, when you come to Derby, you just understand that there's a massive rivalry between them and Forest. It's like when the fixtures come out, I know everybody says it, but it is only like fixture you look for. And I know you shouldn't be able to get yourself up for certain games, but they always just felt like that bit different like the whole build up to the game lasted a week or 10 days or whatever it was you just felt it you, you felt the passion from the fans you know how much it meant to them you come out for the warm up and basically everybody was there and you just knew the game was different and, and just to score uh, in front of fans was, was fantastic for me and it's, it's easily one of my, my greatest memories at Derby So we have spoken to other Derby players who have said to us that scoring in a local Derby is basically the best feeling you can have not only as a footballer but just in life like in general would you agree with that yeah I wouldn't argue with that at all I wouldn't argue <laughs> <laughs> say no more <laughs> it's always always good to hear Forest away Watford away with that absolute belter into the top corner or that volley against Fulham uh, away at Craven Cottage which was your favourite 
don't know, I kind of like the ones you mentioned. I also like the, I think it was the second goal at Millwall uh, from long range as well. But I think, I don't know, pro- probably, probably the volley at Fulham just for the fact that I'd been out injured for a bit and I think it was one of my, my first games back and I think I was just surprised I hit a target, to be honest. So Bryce, on the um, on that home game against Forest, and you know the one I'm talking about. Uh, before the game, the team hadn't scored in four matches before then, and you hadn't scored in uh, nearly two months. Which I'm going to have to try and believe that to read that again. Um, wh- where did that performance come from? Then do you think where was? Did you feel that it was building up before the game? I think building up to that game, also we hadn't scored in a few games, uh, but I think I think we were playing quite well and just not taking our chances. If I if I remember correctly, I could could be totally wrong there, but. I don't know, we were just, just going into the game and I think I scored pretty early in the game it settled everybody down. The fans got right behind us again and I think the, the next goal came pretty pretty early as well. And I think after that you could just see the confidence go through in everybody and I think Forrest let their heads go down a wee bit, which you can't do in a local derby, you just need to go on with it and, and try and get back in the game. And I think I think in the game we were ruthless to be honest and yeah, it was it was easily the best day of my football career. That second goal in particular, really neat little link-up play uh, in and around the box, uh, held up by Chris Martin before a nice little layoff to you and just sweep at home. Did that goal sum up what that team was all about that year? Yeah, I think that's what we always try to do. I think, I think everybody knew when Chrissy got the ball at his feet and he had taken a touch, he could actually see a pass as well. And I think that gave a lot of players a lot of confidence to make a run off him, knowing that he had a chance of getting the ball and a chance of scoring. And yeah, I think... That goal probably summed up what we were trying to do the whole season. So then, further on in the second half, we're 4-0 up. Bamford goes down, penalty given. The ref points to the spot. Chris Martin had actually taken penalties up until that point. So I looked it up earlier because I'm that sad. <laughs> um, but when when the ref pointed to the spot, how did the conversation go? Because obviously you're on a hat-trick, but he takes the penalties. Um, did you have to ask to take it or did he just give it to you? No, I, I can't even remember being a conversation to be honest, I think I just ran after the ball I think and I think I just picked it up and nobody said anything because in a, in a game you're aware of who's kind of scored and if somebody's on two and the game was finished at that stage obviously we were 4-0 up so if I missed it wouldn't really have mattered uh, I think if it was a closer game like maybe 2-1 or 2-1 and you know, I'd score two then Chrissy would also hit it but I think we had that breathing space that if I missed it like I did at Birmingham, then it wasn't to matter. So once you picked that ball up, Bryce, you said you just picked it up and got on with it. How uh, how soon did he know where you wanted to put it? When did you decide you're gonna you're gonna go down the middle? I think. No, I know because sometimes me and Chrissy and, and some other players would stay behind and practice penalties uh, after training. So uh, I think Eric Steele was a goalie coach then. And I was like. What, what would you make if I just like side foot and it's penalty down the middle, like just trying to second guess the keeper that keepers I always think are going to dive, so I just thought if I just side foot it down the middle with a wee bit of height, which I never got on the day, actually, I think it went through his legs, which was quite lucky. But anyway, uh, just just done that. I thought if I ever get a chance to take another penalty, I'm putting it down the middle. So I, I knew I knew from probably a couple of weeks, couple of months before that, if I got a penalty, where it was going. So yeah, that's it. That that game happened, which was a. Uh... An incredible day for you, an incredible day for us. The season as a whole didn't uh, end how any Derby fan wanted it to. And then after that, because you'd had such a good season, 16 goals in midfield in 13-14, there were clearly a lot of clubs circling, a lot of interest in your services. It was Burnley, I think, in the end, who came closest to signing you. And I think you said yourself that you, you did speak to them. How close were you to signing for Burnley that summer? Yeah, it was, it, it was pretty close to be honest. Um, 
I think even when a club makes a bid for you, even if you don't want to go, you have you have to go and speak to them. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of after the the Wembley final, it's probably fair to say that me and uh, the gaffer never really seen eye to eye that much after then. So I kind of thought for a bit that it might have been best for me to move on. But I think when I spoke to my my family and stuff, and and Derby came back and offered me a contract, and the way we lost the final, I just thought, do you know what? It's it's not time for me to leave. I, I don't want to leave. I, I want to be stay here. I want to be part of it. The Derby fans and club have been like magnificent to me ever since the first day I walked through the door. And I thought, like to leave on that note, getting beat in the last minute, I just didn't think it would be right to be honest. And I wanted to stay. And I thought, if I'm going to have a chance to play in the Premiership, then I want that to be with Derby. And yeah, I'll, I'll just sacrifice myself for that. And unfortunately for me, I never got a chance to do so because we, we basically failed in the, the the years after that. But it was, it was a chance I was willing to take. You mentioned there, Bryce. Don't mind me picking up on it that you didn't really see eye to eye with, uh, with with Steve McLaren. What do you what do you mean by that? What, you said that came from after the Wembley final. Yeah, I obviously came from the Wembley final. Like, I obviously picked up a, a niggle in the first leg away at Brighton and like. I don't know, in 94th minute or something. Um, and I felt that he just picked the team for the final based on one game in the home leg. I thought that after we scored the first goal at home at Brighton, the game was basically finished. Like, they, they had gone. I didn't think they were ever going to get back in the game. And obviously the lads played unbelievable on that day. And I just felt that the gaffer had picked the team based on one game instead of the 46 previous games. And then we had we had a couple of conversations and stuff. Uh, the way kind of told me wasn't great, that I wasn't going to play. The things he'd said previous to me in my opinion weren't great either and then like coming back for the next season the couple of conversations <laughs> probably weren't great either <laughs> to be honest so we, we never really had that a great relationship after that final but I said he spoke to what I remember a, a couple of players asking how they would feel if they never played me in the final and I just I just didn't think that was right Interesting, yeah, no, it's, it's def- definitely a, a common trend. I think we we do hear about uh, Stevie Mac, but obviously, it says a lot about your your regard for the club. If you had that problematic relationship and those feelings, but he still decided to sign a new contract that year, it says a lot about your your general feeling towards Derby County. Yeah, well, I've, I've never made it a secret. I love my time there. Uh, I love everything the club had done for me. I love the the kind of relationship I had with the fans and stuff, and. It just never felt right to leave whether whether you got on with the manager or not. Uh, it's not about that. When you go on the pitch on a Saturday and when you're selected to play, you go out and you try and win the game no matter what. Yeah, so then obviously you did, you did agree that new five-year deal as we discussed. How does that work with new contracts then? Do you do you go to the club and ask for one or, or do they come to you or does the agent sort it out and you, you haven't got a clue what's going on? What's the kind of process if there is one? Uh, they, they just came to me. Obviously, I think it helps when you've got a bit of interest that in the club that you're at want to keep you and they basically just came with a contract said they wanted me to stay they didn't want me to go and then once we had that conversation it was basically right where they sign essentially okay so after a short break we will carry on talking to craig bryson in the meantime you can follow steve bloomers washing on social media or on facebook twitter and instagram twitter at steve bloomerpod or just search steve bloomers washing on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there as well. You can follow the podcast for the latest episode first sent to your device by hitting follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Anton, Christmas is coming. Do you know what that means? I don't know. All the trains are cancelled? Yeah, but also... 
festive drinks and eating my body weight in cheese. That's right. And you can celebrate the Christmas season this year with Derby Brewing Company. They're taking bookings across their free venues, the Tap, the Greyhound and the Pig in Litchfield. Perfect for relaxed drinks, group parties and seasonal gatherings. Plus, check out their brand new venue, The Hole in the Wall in Michelover, which opened this month. Visit derbybrewing.co.uk for more details. Two centuries, 1898, the last time Derby beat Forest 5-0. There was a man who got a hat-trick that day, and Bryson is the man who has the hat-trick this. The stuff that memories and legends are made of. Derby County 5, Nottingham Forest 0, and Craig Bryson joined Steve Bloomer in the history books of this fixture. Your time at Derby was littered, I guess, with a playoff heartache. And following 13-14, there was further heartache a couple of years later, this time against Hull City in the semi-final. It must have been pretty gutting to have played nearly 300 games for Derby in three playoff campaigns and then not getting promoted. Oh, that's horrible, mate. I, I hate the playoffs. I hate Wembley. Not going back. Uh, nah, it's hard, mate. It's hard when you work, work the whole season uh, to get to where you want to be. And then basically, basically fail at the last hurdle. Essentially, it's 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 not ideal, but it's one of them. You have to go on to it. Uh, we obviously weren't good enough in the end, and you just have to take it on the chin and move on. Some of the players who were there at the time have mentioned it, but can you really point to words just the level of devastation after QPR? What it was like in the changing room at Wembley? Well, I never went in, mate. To be honest, so I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I get selected for a drug test, uh, so as soon as I get off the pitch, I get taken straight into the drugs room and. Uh, it wasn't ideal when you've got a couple of QPR players coming in to get drug tested with their, their bottle of beer and their medals round their neck and that and I think it was me and Lee Grant at the time just sitting there depressed in the corner. Following on from that, it's every Derby fan knows has been a certain amount of managerial change at the club in the, in the in the time when you were there, ever since Nigel Clough left basically. But Derby had basically gone through on average, a manager per season on and off. How did that affect you as a player? When you go to training and you're at matches, do the players talk about that sort of thing much? Or is it literally you get in, you just get on with the football and you just try to uh, let that part side of the club sort itself out? There's nothing you can do about it really as a player, is it? You don't, you don't get asked. It just, it just happens and you just have to go on with it. Uh, the only thing for a player is you just have to get used to a, a new manager a new way of training, a new way of playing and, and how he wants to work and you just have to accept that. Um, it's probably good for the lads that weren't in a team because everybody gets a clean slate. Uh, you just have to go out in, in pre-season and, and impress and, and do what you can in training to be in a team. But I think everybody makes a big, massive deal of what the starting 11 is for the first day of the season when it's very rare that that team will end the season. So, yeah, I think, I think you just get chances. Just Yeah, it's, it's probably just getting used to the way a new manager's going to work. And the quicker you do that, the better for everybody. I wasn't going to ask you this, Bryce, and feel free to not, not answer it. I was wondering what you can tell us, if anything, about Nigel Pearson. He was only at the club for a few months. He left under a cloud all of a sudden. Is there any light that you can shed on, on, on what happened, what went down there? I've got no idea what happened, mate. Yeah. Uh, Talk about sitting in the fence, uh, but no, uh, I, I generally have no idea what happened. I, I, I quite liked him. I, I got on with him. I thought, I thought given time, he'd have probably got it right. I think maybe the only thing he'd done wrong was he tried to play maybe his formation straight away when for the past few years we'd signed a lot of players to play a certain way and he tried to change it too quickly. Uh, and it, it, it results in performances weren't going 
great on the pitch at that time and he was kind of reluctant to try and change it but I think given time given a couple of transfer windows I think he did done well So um, just fast forward a couple of years and uh, when Gary Rowett came into the club uh, you were actually sent out on loan to Cardiff City for the 17-18 season where you ironically ended up getting them promoted to the Premier League or helping them do so Um, how does that conversation tend to go when when players are sent out on loan how did it go with you and Gary Rowett was it as simple as him just saying to you you're not in my plans no it was I was in the plans to start with uh, in pre-season and stuff and then well the season previous when he first came in I think I played all 10 games or something whatever it was uh, and then in the next season but I think he he was more inclined to play with two holding midfielders and I think at the time we both agreed that that never really suited me and never really suited the way that I kind of played the game but I just said to him well, I'll stay I'll, I'll fight for my place in the team uh, and we'll see how it goes then we'll, we'll probably reassess it in January but I think he was trying to get other players out uh, and I don't know if yeah, well, we obviously failed in that I don't know if the other players didn't want to leave or they didn't have any interest and he just said to me one day like, we don't really want you to go but you're only one of the players that have got interest with a club that really want you would you kind of go and I think when a manager's asking you would you go they're basically telling you to go uh, and obviously you find out that you had a replacement lined up that fell through in the last minute and I've got no hard feelings towards Gary Rowett or that it's just one round just go and go on with it. and for me from a selfish point of view uh, it was a good loan move obviously going and getting promoted and, and seeing what it was like and stuff but it was just cutting that the promotion wasn't with Derby. You've mentioned some of the Derby managers you played for there. Steve McLaren, Nigel Clough, Gary Rowett. If you had to choose, is there a Derby manager who you've enjoyed playing for most? Uh, I'd probably say Nigel Clough for how he wanted me to play the first time I'd also come down to Derby and really enjoyed playing his team. But I think more recently, I really enjoyed playing under Lampard. I played a bit of a different role in that team. I kind of... I kind of sacrificed myself a wee bit for the likes of Mason and uh, Harry Wilson and stuff to go and do what they want to do. Kind of played a wee bit deeper and I don't think a, a lot of fa- uh, Derby fans kind of got used to that, to be honest, in that season. But yeah, it was it was good. I really enjoyed that season. It was good to play with the young players and, and see how they progressed and now they're playing for England and Wales and stuff. So no, it, was, it was excellent. So, so a slightly different twist on that question, Bryce. So if you can make the perfect... Frankenstein monster of Derby County managers that you played under, whether it's the man management of Nigel Clough, the, the training ground methods of Steve McLaren, what, what would be the elements of the of the different managers you played under which would make the perfect Rams boss which will finally get us promoted? <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think Nigel Clough and Frank Lampard are really good for, for man management. I think, to be fair, I'd pro- probably have a older Clough, McLaren and Lampard in some sort of order whatever you can take from that and probably mould mold all three of them into one and I think you get a, a Derby team promoted. <laughs> when it finally happens, I'm sure we'll have a, a fantastic manager and I'd quite like to see all three of those uh, in there together. I wanted to actually ask you about international career. You mentioned Scotland not uh, having the strongest of spells uh, over the last sort of 10 to 15 years. Does it frustrate you that you've been overlooked by them? Only won uh, three caps, which for me is, is way too low, even when you were the top-scoring championship midfielder and in the team of the year? Yeah, it was... I don't know, it was a bit, it was a bit weird. I was kind of overlooked at under-19s and under-21s as well. Like, uh, I think I've got one cap for, for each squad, and then obviously three for the first team, but I don't know. I don't know what happened. I used to get like excited when the squad was coming out, uh, just thinking, like, surely I'm going to get a chance now. 
and I'd be in the squad for a bit and then I'd, I'd turn up and it was quite obvious that I was never going to get a chance to play for whatever reason. And to be honest, when I was playing well and stuff, probably Scotland's strongest part of our team was midfield, so just one of them. Managers just never picked me and you have to get on with that. But yeah, I was, I was a bit disappointed that I didn't get a chance to actually play my position and get a chance to represent Scotland more often. But if we move on to uh, to last season then, Bryce, your uh, your last season at Derby, you mentioned there yourself that you, uh, you you featured on and off in it in a slightly different role. But towards the end of the season, you were ruled out of the uh, the playoff final due to an ankle knock, uh, I, seem, I seem to remember. But that didn't stop you being involved on the Wembley weekend, did it? Because um, most footballers, they'll make a bit of time for the fans, you know, they'll, they'll pose for the selfies, they'll, uh, you know, they'll sign the autographs or whatever. But they tend to sort of keep their distance a bit, you know, they're, they're, they have their lives and, and they keep a bit separate from the fans. But you did the exact opposite yourself before the playoff final last season. You you ended up joining some Derby fans in a pub in uh, in Covent Garden with uh, with David Nugent. Who's uh, <laughs> whose idea was that then? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It wasn't planned, mate. We, we were obviously going to go down the day before uh, the game because when you're injured, you don't actually travel with a squad. So we, we were also going to go to the game. We decided that it would probably be easier and better for us if we went out the day, the day before. So we just got to train down. Obviously, I had a couple of drinks uh, and then just thought, you know what, let, let's just go out. We didn't expect it to be that busy, to be honest. I don't know why. I don't know if that was us being stupid or something, but <laughs> we went out, went into Covent Garden, so it was quite quiet for a bit, and we thought, like... Now, hang on, though, because you said you, you, you said you just went out, but you happened to end up in the, in the pub where all the Derby fans said they were going to be. So, <laughs> I, I, is that, is we that we didn't actually know that. We didn't know that. We, we came out... Uh, is it Punch and Judy in Covent Gardens? And we just we were trying to find. I, I'm I'm not familiar with London at all, so I don't have a clue where I'm going. Um, we came out and we just kind of were walking up the street and we saw like by the time we had saw like the Derby fans, there was no we couldn't have turned back because we were we'd been recognised basically. So we just went in. We thought yeah, may as well. I kind of I kind of wanted to go down and experience the game as a fan as well because obviously it's totally different when you're preparing to play and you're part of the squad and stuff but I wanted to see what it was like being a fan and I, pro- I probably knew at that time that I was probably going to move on so just wanted to experience it from a different point of view and, and see what it was like and the, the night before was was excellent from what I can remember uh, <laughs> You um. You seem to have like a, a, a genuine affinity with, with the club. You know, it's not just a platitudes, is it? Like you, you did seem to genuinely have like a bond with with Derby County and the fans because it wasn't the first time you've been spotted, you know, in the stands or, or having a cheeky drink with Derby supporters before the game. I mean, is it fair to say, Bryce, that even when you weren't playing, you were basically as big a Derby County fan as the rest of us? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm a. I'm a big believer in being a team player as well, so I, I don't care if, if I'm out injured or I'm not playing and somebody else has been selected in front of me, I want them to do well, because in the end I want Derby to do well and I wanted Derby to get promoted and I wanted them to win every game that I was playing in or I wasn't involved in, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a, a Derby fan and stuff, and I think Derby have gave me so much in my life, uh, I've had a great great relationship with the fans, so I think, I think the Derby fans just appreciate somebody giving 100% in every game, uh, you play in and I think that's that's all they ask for and I think if you do that you'll get on well with them I think over the years um, Derby fans haven't really had a have fans favourites very often it takes a bit of time to to win over players and you certainly you did that um, do you actually like Haggis uh, and also Jaeger 
Of course, I like haggis. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid question. Of course, well, I like that. <laughs> Jaeger. I don't know actually know where that came from, to be honest. Uh, but it's quite tough when I go on a night out now. Or when I was in nights out in Derby, like most Derby fans would buy me, so I just had to pretend I liked it and live up to my reputation uh, and down it. <laughs> but yeah, nah, I don't like that at all. So uh, just looking ahead uh, to the future, uh, Bryce, so I'm sure you've got several years left in the tank, although I know you did tell us you're, you're a veteran now. Um, have you had any thoughts about what, uh, you, what you'll do after your playing days, what the future holds once you're off the pitch? No, no I don't have a clue. Uh, to be honest, when, when I went out and loaned to Cardiff, uh, I was kind of bored a wee bit, so uh, I spent a bit of time and I went and qualified as a personal trainer. Uh, so I, I, I kind of, obviously like fitness kind of into that side of stuff uh i'm not sure about coaching to be honest i don't know if i'd prefer to be in a team doing like the pre-season and the gym stuff and and all that kind of stuff that comes along with that but yeah i should probably start thinking about it more more to be honest that i'm kind of getting to the end and yeah it's i don't know i, I think it's kind of hard for a footballer to accept that one day they are going to hang up their boots and they're going to have to move on to something else but it's one of them i think I'll just take a bit of time uh, when I do retire and think about what I want to do then take it from there. We'll see how it goes. I don't know, I'll probably be mad to try and do another, a marathon or something, but we'll see see what happens in the future. I mean, I, I, probably, I'm quite open-minded. I wouldn't do anything out, to be honest. Uh, I just take it as it comes and, and go on with it, see what happens, and just whatever I do, just give it 100% and see what it takes me. Keeping on the fo- uh, the future, but moving back to, to sort of Derby, what do you make of this current Derby side, and do you think Philip Koku will be given time? I think I've been all right. You can see what we're trying to work on. Uh, it might not have all came off at one time, but I think I think Derby just have to give a give a manager a bit of time now. No matter how it's going, just try and build a bit more stability at the club. Uh, although previous managers have have chose to leave themselves, it's not actually been the club that have got rid of them. But I think a bit of stability would be needed. Maybe the way it's going, they're bringing through a lot a lot more youth players as well, which is going to be good for the future. It's been. It's been good to see some of them play this season and, and develop a bit over the... be good to see them develop over the next couple of years as well and, yeah, just just see how it goes. But hopefully he's given time. He's obviously got a great CV. He's obviously had a great career as well and it'd be nice to see him do well. But I think I'm just all for any manager in any Derby team doing well and, and hopefully one day getting the club back to where it belongs. Well, Bryce, I think I speak for all Derby fans when uh, when we say between us that you'll be welcome back at uh, a Pride Park any time after those those forty two goals and two hundred seventy odd appearances. So um, thanks ever so much for giving us your time. We can see that uh, that your little lad is uh, demanding some attention on the other end of the phone there. So we'll uh, we'll leave you to it. And thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cheers. Mm-hmm.